Do you want to make more Dynasty trades? Sure, we all do. Tune in once a week to the Trade Addicts podcast and see how easy it is to train to be a great Dynasty trader. At Trade Addicts Pod, thousands of men and women have prepared to win championships without sacrificing value. And now, from your phone, car, or computer, you can learn to increase your team's Dynasty value. Many topics such as Keep Trade Buy, Make Amends, and Trade Addicts Trades will get you ready to make your own trades. So make the important call right now and check out the Trade Addicts Podcast. Football.com and a DLF family, a podcast. It's me, it's me, it's that old SFD Rome in the streets of Superflex City, and this is the Superflex Super Show. Back, finally, the time has come. To get back to this because we're nearing the end of the 2021 NFL season, the end of the 2021 fantasy season. Hopefully you're all in the playoffs with those QBX rosters ready to take down a championship. But in the meantime, to me, it's time to start strategizing for next year. It's never too early, never too early to get started in those dynasty leagues. Looking forward to the offseason. And looking forward to the 2022 season. I'll be honest, I'm even looking forward to the 2023 season and these two rookie drafts. And that's how I'm going to segue. This return of the Superflex Super Show comes with an amazing guest, one of my absolute best friends around here, the big red Devi machine, Kane Fossil of the Devi Marketplace. And uh, actually, we've got a reboot of Dynasty Wall Street, and now you're doing that as well. Like you're, a... yeah. And uh, you know, if you're a YouTube person, swing on over to Headliner U on YouTube. We're just pumping out tons of content, uh, so you can find me really wherever, wherever your medium is. If you want Dynasty content, if you want Debbie content, if you want college football content, like you can find it all. That's right. That's right. And uh, man, we're gonna. Th- I, I want to talk college with you. I want to talk. Devi with you. Uh, I mean, we could definitely get into some pro uh, values too. I know you get a, a you're getting your fix now on uh, on Dynasty Wall Street with that one. So we might even get to that. But yeah, I got to be honest with you, Kane. I like I've got. I, there was a very specific reason that I picked you uh, to come on here and and join me for for the return of the Super Show. Um, I, I mean, for one thing, I always enjoy talking with you. We, you know, we're, 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 we're buddies. We even co-own a team. Um, one of the better teams that Sorry, I've co-own a championship team it, it, soon to be back to back championship yep. team. Is yep. that, is that, <laughs> it, it feels like it. <laughs> I like to say that that's, that that's, I almost said that that's one of the better teams that I've constructed, but the reality is, uh, a lot of, a lot of what makes this team so ridiculously unstoppable 
has been the rookie drafting, which I just step back and say, you know, just, just, just do your thing, Kane, because we ended up with, you ended up drafting DeAndre Swift. You ended up drafting Jalen Waddle, two guys that I wouldn't have drafted. That's a thing. Like, so obviously you, you have this, uh, you have the touch when it comes to the rookies and uh, that, that I just, I just recognize a blind spot for myself. I just, I, I, I'm good on quarterbacks. Uh, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm good on kind of the chalkier guys, but like Jalen Waddle just was not on my radar at all. Like that felt like, I don't know. It, it felt like Henry Ruggs, you know, if like that felt like that type of pick. When I saw that you made that pick, I was like, "Oh God, we're gonna be stuck with this loser forever." And now, I mean, he looks—he looks like a top five dynasty wide receiver, you know, by by the end of twenty twenty two, at least. Yeah, and and so that—that's I think the first thing that's worth touching on, right? It is you when we look at rookie drafts, people just seem to look at them from just an idea of a ranking standpoint, mm-hmm. and I get why rankings matter right because it's easier if you can set up a set of rankings yourself right and then you can follow those because you've done the work right and if if you if you're not the person that's watching the film or doing the analytics or things like that you can find the people and and listen to what they do but the thing that's also really really important is is understanding where the strength is of a draft and understanding kind of what your team construction actually means, right? Mm-hmm. And the reason why I say that is because we have a really good team, right, in this league. Yeah. And so my thought press process was, is a wide receiver, like a low-end wide receiver too, means absolutely nothing to me, Yeah. right? Because when your team is is pretty solid, and I think it's a start 10 league, um, I want to say it's 10, I could be wrong. Like that. It's a big lineup, it seems like. Yeah, it's either nine or ten. And and when we're looking at teams like that, the reason why it's more important to take those big swings is because you can find wider you can find wide receiver twos anywhere, right? The stat last season is 160 wide receivers had a wide receiver two or better week at some point in the season last year. So you can find spot starts on the waiver wire. You can really find them even in dynasty leagues, you can find them anywhere, mm-hmm. right? There's people out there starting Josh Reynolds, right? <laughs> yeah. Like that's that's hand raised, right? <laughs> but but you know what I mean. Two thumbs you, pointed at this guy. You can find that anywhere. So if you yeah. understand what your team construction is, and that you know you already have a collection of wide receiver twos, you want to swing as hard as you can, mm-hmm. right? And with the people that were already gone, you already had Devonta Smith, Jamar Chase, uh, Rashad Bateman, all gone. So the only guy left that allows you to make that massive swing is Jalen Waddle, who is going to be the presumed the presumed wide receiver one in that offense. So why wouldn't we take that shot? Because that's what our team needed. Yeah, totally. So I think that's the first thing that you have to touch. And he's like, yeah, you want to get the best value, but the best value is also the thing that means the most for your team. Yeah. So you, you bring up a a very uh, interesting, very important point on recognizing the strength of a draft class sorry i got just got distracted by a catch that justin jefferson almost made it was ridiculous he's Um, almost too good yeah 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 almost not fair um man that would have been a one-hander just like yeah 
anyways, but he didn't catch it. So I digress big time. Um, yeah, back to the, the strength of a draft class. And, uh, what's interesting is, so my, my big rookie strategy, and this is, this is also part of why I wouldn't have drafted Jalen Waddle. Um, but I'm glad that we did. Like you said, it was a, it was a team need and it was a lot more pressing than I realized at the time. I mean, we had Kenny Galladay, we had Allen Robinson felt good at wide receiver there. Yeah. Turns out without Jalen Waddle, those wide receivers would have been disgusting. Um, but you know, the other reason that I wouldn't have taken him is just because my strategy in rookie drafts is really to focus on quarterbacks and running backs. You know, that's kind of your chance to get him to get him really pretty cheap. And they're almost, you know, they're generally going to be usable, you know, especially the, the first round quarterbacks, those guys are going to be usable and just about any running back you can get your hands on is going to get in there at some point. Like he's going to have a role at some point. We're seeing that this year when like, you know, Dontrell Hilliard and, and uh, you know, uh, Dernest Henderson and, you know, Jordan Howard kind of came out of nowhere. Like all these guys just have a, at least a week. And so you just want as many of them as you can get. And then, you know, at some point their week is going to come along and you're going to get to start them. And, and then they're just kind of back into the collection. Um, so you need a lot of them and they're all going to have a role at some point. So I really kind of focus on that. And as far as the value of a draft class goes, if there are not good quarterbacks and there are not good running backs, I, and I, I don't think, I, I don't think I'm alone on this at all. I think that we view that draft class as being weak. Um, you know, it can have good wide receivers and we're still just like, yeah, but if, if, you know, those, the wide receivers usually take a little bit of time to develop, you know, you usually get one, maybe two guys, who are going to be startable most weeks for you as rookies. And then beyond that, you know, they take off in year two and then you're just good forever. Right. So here's the thing that gets me right mm -hmm. with, with what you're just talking about. And it definitely yeah. is the case. People all assume all running backs are going to start right away. Yeah. And then we have this case of Javonta Williams, right? And he gets drafted and then everyone says, well, we knew he wasn't going to start right away. It's like, then mm -hmm. how is that pick any different than a wide receiver that wasn't going to start right away? True. Right? If if you take out what either what what Javante Williams has done or any wide receiver has done, like if you were always assuming that you know that he, they weren't going to get the work right away, then what's the difference? Then it's just a positional difference. True. Right. And and I think that matters. And I think what you're saying makes a lot of sense. And I'm on record. Right for this next class, if you don't take a quarterback or a wide receiver in like your first six picks, it's a wasted pick. Really, that, okay. that's that's the way that I see it, right? Yeah. Because when you have a class like this, twenty twenty two class, where there's so many wide receivers, mm -hmm. like we're we're going to be talking about twelve, thirteen guys that are drafted in the first three rounds, right? So that spans from the end of the first round, basically through the end of the second round with some random running backs, right? The guys that Keyshawn Vaughn it, as I like to call it, they randomly get drafted too high and you're like, Oh, we got to take them in the <laughs> second round. Um, it, it's going to be wide receivers from basically the, 
the end of the first through like the beginning of the third. That's going to be all wide receiver territory. So why do I why do I say take a position that matters, quarterback or running back? Because there's four quarterbacks that are going to probably be drafted in round one. So that's I'm only taking four quarterbacks then, right? Yeah. I'm not take drafting guys that are that are going later than that. And I think there's only two to three running backs that are even worth a poo in this draft. So I'm not going to willingly reach for a running back just because it's a position of need for most fantasy teams. And what we believe in as a position of scarcity value that pushes running back up the board when there's just good wide receivers that are still sitting there and have a good, a better chance to hit than whichever running back you believe is going to have day two talent. Yeah. So off air, I, I had kind of asked you, you know, can we, um, kind of rate these classes, you know, kind of give me, give me the top five at each position. I think I'm going to amend that because it kind of doesn't sound like we, we're going to have a top five at every position in, in 2022, no. maybe just give me the guys who are relevant. Sure. And yeah, then so I'll, and, I'll, I'll start at your favorite position real quick. Nice. Let's start Let's at quarterback. Um, no, I'm just kidding. We're going to start at tight end. No. <laughs> um, so my Are there any tight ends? Like it, We can start there because two. I don't know of any. Two that I would be willing to draft like late second in a full tight end premium or like sprinkled into the third. And that's Jalen Weidermeyer out of Texas A&M, who I believe has the best shot as a round one tight end. But okay. I think it's more like early second round pick. Um, and he's out of Texas A&M and then Trey McBride. He just catches a ton of passes at Colorado State. So I think those are like the two for me that I'm past that. It's it's a crapshoot and it all depends on draft capital okay. after that. Right. But let's talk about quarterbacks, because I think that's the thing that people are going to argue about the most. I don't think you're going to hear, you know, as we get into the Twitter arguments about about draft classes, um, you're not going to hear a lot of arguments about running backs a whole lot. There's three. Right. You have Isaiah Spiller out of Texas A&M, Brees Hall out of Iowa State, and then you have um, Kenneth Walker out of Michigan State. Mm -hmm. But quarterbacks seems to have the biggest argument. Um, so I'm going to break down the four that I have as round one talents and then the one that you're going to have the biggest argument about. So the four that I have as first round picks is um, out of Ole Miss. That's Matt Corral, just a gunslinger, uh, has a really great arm and is athletic on the ground enough to, you know, be Aaron Rodgers-esque in the fact that he can run for three, 400 yards a season, right? We just saw him run for 195 yards in a single game. So, like, he can run the ball. Granted, that was on 30 carries, which is way too many for a quarterback, and there's a reason why he was hurt in that game and barely played the next one. Um, then you have Kenny Pickett out of Pitt. Um, a lot more of a kind of cerebral quarterback is always just going to take what's there. He forced it down the field a little bit, but it was just a really great offense, which his wide receiver, Jordan Addison, just won the Blitnikoff Award and is a wide receiver in the 23 class. You have who is probably the most exciting quarterback in all of this draft, and that's Malik Willis. He's the quarterback from Liberty, um, the fastest and most athletic quarterback we have in this draft. Like, that's why he he's probably going to be a first-round pick. Um is is the arm talent is the arm talent there? Yes. In in pure arm strength ability. He's a really strong arm. Is the accuracy there? Absolutely not. Is the IQ there to be a quarterback in the NFL? Not really. But all of the other tools are there. Right? If you want to watch a really rough game, just watch him against Louisiana Monroe. 
has a, probably the worst game I've ever seen him play. Um, but I think the tools are still there for someone to be thinking like, oh, this guy does have a shot. Like he has a really good arm, crazy athletic, right? You teach the rest of the stuff and, and he's going to be a solid quarterback. Fourth guy, Sam Howell coming out of UNC. Uh, he's just a really, really good player. He's going to be as solid of a player as you can get. Um, just throws to the open guy. And we found out this season when their offensive line is terrible, he's athletic enough to run the ball. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the, the fifth guy, this is the guy that we're going to have more arguments about on Twitter uh, than just about anyone else because his tape looks pretty solid. And that's Carson Strong out of Nevada. And the reason why we're going to run into these arguments a lot is that draft people that are in the know are going to say that he's not a first-round pick. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, And that's because he has a medical condition that's called osteochondritis desiccans lesion, which I, I of course, don't know what that means, so I talked with (laughs) Ethan Turner, and, and Ethan told me that that actually means that there's a hole in his femur. Whoa. Like right above his kneecap. Um, huh. And that, and usually what happens is that starts to decay around oh. that hole. So I'm obviously not a doctor because that's just too much for me. <laughs> yeah. um, but that doesn't sound great. And Ethan said he's going to have the highest risk rating of any quarterback that he's ever, you know, made profiles on. Yeah. Um, so that scares me. And the second thing is like he's just not great at looking off coverage. He's in the he's in the Mountain West, and so he can throw basically to open guys because he has a really great wide receiver in Romeo Dubs, um, and and a good um, tight end in Turner. But he can basically throw it wherever he wants. Uh, but it's not like he has to do much like looking off safeties and those sort of things. So when he does face good teams, he throws a lot of interceptions because he can't look off a safety, and he just assumes that his arm talent is going to win. Also, he turns like a battleship in the pocket. So, you know, <laughs> not, like not great. I thought the hole in like in the right above the femur, right? The hole in the leg. I thought that might make him more aerodynamic, but you'd like think, um, but I think the other he, way around, I think he put some cement in his shoes. Damn. Like this okay. feller just has trouble. Um, uh, so I think that's, so the argument we're going to have is like, Oh, the tape's really, really good. And it's like, sure, the tape is good, and he probably has the strongest arm out of any quarterback in this draft. But when you have the strongest arm, like that means you're not really getting the other parts of your game great. You know what I mean? You're just relying on a really, really strong arm, and that's great. Uh, But he was playing in the Mountain West all season. It's not like Zach Wilson that had touch on his passes and and those sort of things. so I, I just struggle with Carson Strong, and I think a lot of draft people are realizing, especially when they're talking to uh, scouts and things like that, that uh, Carson Strong is not a hit in, yeah. in NFL uh, scouting rooms right now. Huh, okay. Um, that feels like, for you know, just just the, the injury risk thing, that feels like bad process to me. Like, if you're going to spend, a, if you're, if you would be willing to spend a first round pick on a running back, I, to me, you're you'd also be willing to make a you know to make that pick on a quarterback. Like the same to me, like all that does is shorten his career expectancy to, you know, again the same as a running back. Like right. I don't know. Uh, that's that's my thought, but I'm curious, ju- you know, based on 
I also just don't think that NFL front offices make very good decisions no. all that often. I think they all have really pretty bad process. Um, but I, I mean, to you, like just based on what you see is, is, I mean, is he, does he belong in the conversation? I, I don't think so. Okay. Um, I think he just, you know, strong arm, terrible at processing. Um, and the reason why Malik Willis can get away with being a first round pick with terrible processing is he's crazy athletic. Yeah. Right. At some point you have to have like a shining moment, right? That some part of your game that goes above and beyond everything else. And sure, Carson Strong has a strong arm, but like people don't care about that as much anymore. Sure. You can throw it 60 yards down the field, um, but throwing it 60 yards down the field doesn't mean anything if you can't move around the pocket, if you can't look off safety. So I don't see him as a first round pick. Um, and I think with the injury, he's more looking at like more of a third round pick, which means I'm not going to take him at all in rookie drafts. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to get to a starting role from, from third round draft capital. He'd um, have to like land in one of those spots that it's like, okay, he got drafted by Atlanta in the third round. It's like, yeah. do I then want to take like a late third on him? Like maybe. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't mind it then, right? Matt Ryan, he's been hurt before. He's, you know, older guy. Maybe he shows enough in practice, but I I just think that's, you're accepting a lot of risk. Yeah, for sure. Well, so let's do this. Let, let's use 2020 as kind of the barometer. Um, and, and I guess uh, 2019 can be the opposite extreme. Um, so to me, 2020, that's like a five-star class, right? I mean, you had one of the all-time prospects with Trevor Lawrence. You had a deep class uh, with, you know, Wilson, Lance, Fields. Um, so, you know, you you it was that was a particularly good class for our yeah. super flex purposes. 2019 was, I, it's it's tough because is you know Kyler Murray obviously one of the best you know, dynasty quarterbacks we have, but there was nothing else beyond him. So, and I'm kind of struggling to think of another class that was, you know, where it was just like, I I mean, I guess, was it 2015? Um, So I I think this class probably with the risks involved probably compares really well to 2018. Okay. So that's where we had Josh Allen. uh, We had Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, Lamar Jackson, right? We had some guys crazy athletic um, that that can do some stuff with their arm. You had kind of safer picks, and but all of them have risk, right? Um, yeah. it, it, there isn't this isn't one of those drafts where it's like, all right, it this team has the one one. They're selecting the best quarterback, mm-hmm. like because that's the best player in the draft. This is not one of those drafts. Like, this is the best defensive draft and offensive line draft we've seen in a really, really long time. Hmm. So I think a lot of, I think you're going to find some draft people that struggle to put any quarterbacks in the top 15 picks. Oh, wow. Okay. And if if you do, it's like one or two. Yeah. Right. Which is not what we're used to. Yeah. From that standpoint, and this is kind of, I mean, you're, so you're not necessarily telling me anything new there. Um, but this is, this is where I start to run into my, my, you know, my, uh, my hesitation with the 2022 class, 
particularly with the quarterbacks and with the running backs, but with the quarterbacks, the fact that, I mean, you know, you, you gave me five names there, um, which indicates some depth, but if none of them are even going to go in the top 15 of the NFL draft that, or, you know, some of them probably still will just because quarterback yeah. is such an important position, but like if they don't grade there, that f- it makes it feel weak. So I'm kind of curious just, um, if, if, if you were to compare the talent to, uh, you know, to, to past draft classes, essentially. And like I said, let's make, tw- let's call 2020, let's call that a five-star class because it was, it was deep and very talented, very top heavy. Um, you know, so if, if we were on a scale of one to five stars, how many stars are you giving this draft class? Uh, a quarterback three okay like it actually feels crazy similar to like 2019 to me in, okay. in the in the idea that like we have like one or two guys that like we can see going like pretty high yeah. you know there's a lot of there's a lot of hype around a few guys and those two being matt corral and uh kenny pickett and then that's my tier break so i have two players and then a tier break and then I have two running backs and the other two first round quarterbacks and then a tier break for me. Okay. Um, so to me, it, it's you're either working to get a top six pick or you have to be really OK with getting a wide receiver. Let's let's skip ahead. Uh, I want to stay at the quarterback position. Okay. I was going to have you go all the way through 2022, but I kind of want to stick with the quarterback position. So let's move on to 2023. And tell me about that quarterback group, um, particularly the 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 guys who are going to be fantasy relevant to a point of us cons- at least considering them in the first round of our rookie drafts. Well, you have two that oh. like, and it, it's worth noting that like, yeah, there's two, but these two are like, we're talking pretty close to like Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields. Whoa, okay, right. Um, so Bryce Young the quarterback at Alabama is going to win the Heisman this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's just crazy <laughs> talented. Um, he's going to be the one one in every super flex league. Okay. Well, at least for me, some people are going to take a running back over him. I won't because I always tend to go quarterback over running back. Um, he's just absolutely talented. Like, yeah, sure. He's got great weapons and great offensive line. Um, but he's made big time throws, you know, over, over this past season. And that was his first time starting at the college level. Um, and he led Alabama. I think that one loss, just Texas A&M just beat Georgia. Like there's a great chance that they win the national championship with the guy that is starting for his first full season. Mm-hmm. When the other guy, CJ Stroud, the quarterback at uh, Ohio state, um, he led the big 10 in passing. I think he had, what, 38 touchdowns, five interceptions, if I'm right off the top of my mind. Um, The highest EPA of any quarterback in college football as a redshirt freshman. Um, He's just really, really good. Um, And so I think you're dealing with two really, really good quarterbacks and the chance that a few quarterbacks also come up, right? Um, We're going to see more than two quarterbacks drafted in the first round. It's just which ones continue to rise, whether that's Tyler Van Dyke out of, um, I want to say he's in the 23 class, maybe he's in the 24 class, uh, but he's out of Miami. You have Hendon Hooker out of Tennessee. 
Um, and then I suppose some people like Phil Jerkovic out of Boston College, but I'm not the biggest fan of him. Uh, but I think you're going to have two really, really great quarterbacks that start in the NFL for quite a while. And I think that's enough to get me excited for the quarterbacks for a 23 class. Because every year, right, we see some quarterback kind of come out of nowhere. This year, it's Kenny Pickett. Last year, Zach Wilson. Like, every year this happens, right? Year before that, Joe Burrow. Like, we see it over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's going to happen again. We just don't really know which one it's going to be yet. Yeah. How would you rate that class? Um, On that I think that's probably more of a four. Like, I think okay. I think because the two quarterbacks are more sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think I would take that. I think I would take, you know, when it is that top heavy, I don't, I don't think that we need the depth that we had in 2020 or 2021. I'm sorry. I keep calling it 2020, uh, in 2021, you know, we had, we had all those guys. I don't think that we necessarily need that. Well, I don't Um, think people realize how rare that is, right? Yeah. Three times in the past, like 30 or 40 years, have we had five or more quarterbacks selected in the first round? Right. right. It doesn't happen that often. Mm-hmm. So for everyone to think like, oh, we're just going to see five quarterbacks all the time. Like it's very rare. Yeah. For five quarterbacks to be drafted that high. Yeah. Plus, we see a lot of guys forced into the into the first round that probably shouldn't be. That happens fairly frequently, too. Yeah. I, you know, I, th- I think that's where you see this argument that is I think is very real that every year they're. There seems to be, I think this year's different, um, but the most years you have about 20-ish players get first-round grades, mm-hmm. right? Other guys will still be first-round picks. They're just not going to have first-round grades. Yeah. Um, when And that's over across all positions, including defense and offensive line, that there's usually about 20 to 25 guys have first-round grades. I think this year there's going to be a wider pool because this NFL draft is actually the largest NFL draft of draftable players ever. Oh, wow. Which, conversely, right, last year was the smallest group because everyone got a COVID year, so they were allowed mm. to come back to school if they wanted to. Yeah. So they weren't forced out after, after that final year when they used up their fourth year of eligibility everyone was given that fifth year so you saw more smaller school guys um, do two things and i think both of them helped college football the first is go back to school and the second is enter the transfer portal with their final year of eligibility and that allowed them to go to bigger schools and to get more noticed and i think that helped just a lot of people so just note that like the udfa's in this draft are more equal to like fifth round picks from this past year's draft. Okay. Yeah. I like that. That's, that's an important point that nobody's brought up until now. So yeah. Shout out Shane Hallam on that one. Like he's been telling everyone that because it's worth noting that like, you're going to have really good UDFAs. Yeah. So you're going to, and, and so you're going to have a Mr. Irrelevant who, like is like normally like a sixth rounder or something like that, probably. Yeah. Right. It, and like, that's, that's why remember Des Fitzpatrick, he was drafted fourth round by the Titans mm-hmm. and everyone's like, this is going to be the steal, right? This is going to be a guy that we need to target in the third round of rookie drafts. Yeah. And like he was cut like yeah. a few weeks into the season. Yeah. He was picked back up, but he was cut. And so like, you're going to see a lot of guys that, that people, people thought were going to be the guys to make that leap 
that just aren't going to be safe because there's going to be UDFAs that are just as talented as they are. Yeah. That's where I think I, I, I feel like stuff like this is such an important exercise to actually like, you know, put, put a draft class up against, you know, an upcoming draft class, a form, a, a, you know, a previous draft class compare them because it's so easy to get wrapped up in just one draft class and say, yeah, this guy is awesome. And it's like, yeah, relatively speaking, like relative to the, the rest of this class. Sure. But it like in terms of just, you know, what makes a good prospect, he's, uh, he's all right. <laughs> he's just all right. You know? So, yeah. so uh, like, and that's, uh, I, I I'm kind of working towards something kind of some strategy stuff uh, that we're going to get to. Um, but we need to run through the other two, uh, the other two positions first, and then I can, and then I can really put the screws to you when it comes to some strategy. Um, but yeah, let's, let's talk about the running backs. We'll go back to 2022. You said there's basically three of them, right. That are, Uh, that are going to be in consideration for the first round in our super flex rookie drafts. Yeah. And that's going to be really similar to what there was this past year, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think any of them get first round draft capital in the NFL draft. So that's worth noting. Mm-hmm. But I think the three are Brees Hall out of Texas A&M, which is kind of more of a, of a, I, I call him almost light power. Like he's not like the big bruising back like Kenneth Walker is. That's like true power ISO. Like put me in the, you know, put me in I form, give me a fullback, <laughs> right? Let me just smash mouth this four yards in a cloud of dust and we'll just work our way down the football field. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I call Isaiah Spiller almost like light power. Like, yeah, he can run power plays. He can run some zone plays. Um, I think he, th- he's a weird one because I think he is almost too nimble to run power plays. And I think he's not elusive enough to run pure zone plays. And so why I think that matters is normally, right, if, if the Vikings are on right now, um, so an old Vikings thing, right, is that you bring in Adrian Peterson, Adrian Peterson is going to run on power plays, right? That's mean, that means we're getting combo blocks from the offensive line and everyone is moving forward, right? Mm-hmm. And then when they wanted to run zone plays or, or kind of, as they call them, change of pace plays, you put in guys like Chester Taylor, Moel D. Moore, Right, these guys that are more elusive and can find seams better in a zone style offense, which means that the offensive line is moving at a 45 degree angle, either to the left, up and to the left, or up and to the right. Right, so everyone's moving together and they're moving as one unit um, and letting the wide receiver find, or the running back find space that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the benefit of Isaiah Spiller is he can do both. Like he's not just uh, one or the other type of guy, and he can catch catch the ball. So if you want a crazy stat. Midway through the year, uh, they were losing quite a few games because Haynes King was their starting quarterback and ended up breaking their ankle. Kelzada comes in, a guy that's just unfamiliar with the offense. Um, and Isaiah Spiller was averaging 6.7 yards per carry in losses. Hmm. Like, I don't think people realize how wild <laughs> that is. Um, yeah. Normally when you lose, like you're ineffective on the ground. Right. Right. At least in college football, that kind of se- seems to be the way that it is, right? especially in the SEC. And he was averaging 6.7 yards per carry on the ground um, <laughs> in losses, which is absolutely wild to me. Yeah. But I like him a lot. And then the third guy is Brees Hall. 
Um, I think Brees Hall is an outside zone style runner. I think he reminds me a lot of David Montgomery. Like, I know I hate the same school comp, but like he, he is elusive when he needs to be. Um, he's got a little bit of power. Um, if he gets outside, there's a good chance he's running for a while. Um, has solid enough hands. He's going to catch passes. Um, like he, he reminds me a ton of David Montgomery. And if he gets in a role where he's going to touch the ball 20, 25 times a game, yeah, he's going to be a top six pick for me in rookie drafts. Okay, nice. How would you grade that class? I, what I'm also, I'm not totally sure like what our, what our standard is, what our benchmark is. I'm kind of thinking maybe 2020, that was a deep class with some ridiculous talent, you know? Yeah, that's the benchmark. Yeah. Um, you know, this is probably a three. Like, I think it's okay. pretty close. I th- if if we said that 2021 was a four, then this one would be a three. Okay. Like, I, th- I think the guys are just a little less talented, but I think they're solid enough that that they're going to be worthwhile, right? And, and one thing I want to note is that you're the ADP guy. You know this. Mm-hmm. Every year, the first rookie off the board tends to get top 12 ADP at the running back position, mm-hmm. right? It's just something that happens. And sometimes it's two running backs, right? Sometimes Jonathan Taylor and CEH. Sometimes it's just Najee Harris. And right, we can go back year over year over year and see this, right? David Montgomery and Josh Jacobs coming up into the bottom of the top 12, right? Just because of age, we see this time and time again. Mm-hmm. That's not going to happen with this class. Hmm. Okay. That's interesting because, yeah, I mean, you know, talking about strategy, that is one thing that I'm kind of leaning towards. I'm getting more and more ageist when it comes to running backs, but um, yeah, I mean, if, if, if they're not talented enough and, and don't end up in the, the, here's the big thing. Do they end up in a good situation? It's hard right. to beat the situation that Najee Harris landed in, you know? So, exactly. and, and how many of those, how many of those situations are really going to be available? Like maybe Dallas clears the deck and somebody lands there. You know, I, that, I doubt it because you have Zeke. That's a he's, he's under, dollar cap hit next year. Yeah, he's still he's still under contract. So, but you know, you, know, you have a chance. Maybe Arizona wants to take a guy that that runs an OZ run scheme, an outside zone run scheme. Yeah. Um, maybe the Bills suck up in the second round and finally grab uh, a running back that isn't slow as molasses like Zach Moss. <laughs> maybe like I don't. Miami could grab like an Isaiah Spiller or a Kenneth Walker. Yeah. Um, to run power down there because they have some great power linemen. Yeah. Um, Atlanta could look for an for an OZ run scheme, an outside zone run scheme. So there's a few, and I think I think it's worth noting that like I don't I think there will be other running backs drafted in in day two, right? It's not just going to be three guys and and that's it. I think there's going to be some guys that sneak in. I think it's going to be guys that predominantly have have the ability to catch the ball. Mm-hmm. Um and and if their main skill is catching the ball, overrunning the football, then they're not fully a, a top tier running back asset. So I think that yeah. that in, encompasses guys like James Cook from Georgia. But on the flip side of that, you've guys like Brian Robinson from Alabama, um, who you know Alabama running backs as well as anyone. <laughs> right. um, there's just a big power guy that's going to smash into people. Yeah. Right. The difference with Najee Harris is he could catch the football. Yeah. Like Brian Robinson can't do that as well. Um, so that's why he's not going to be kind of that first round, second round talent that we're, that we talk about so highly. Yeah. 
That's fair. What I, the other thing I love, and it, it's, it's Alabama, it's Georgia. It feels like just kind of an SEC, SEC thing, like a, a kind of a forward thinking thing in that conference, but they also send their, their running backs to the NFL without a whole lot of wear and tear. I love that. Like that's, that's, that makes a pretty big difference as well. Um, yeah, but besides obviously Najee Harris, right? Najee Harris. Sh- sure. Yeah. The wear and tear machine. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's talk 2023's running back class and five stars. <laughs> five star. That's that's kind of what I was expecting. Very um, good. Yeah, there's there. This is the and the first guy that you're going to mention. I imagine is the entire reason that my strategy is starting to shift completely. And like I said, like that's just kind of a teaser. We'll get to that. Uh, once we get these, these kind of wrapped up here, but, uh, yeah, tell me, tell me how, just how ridiculously awesome Bijan Robinson is. He is the best, what the best running back that I've seen in college football since. And you have to realize that I've been watching college football for a really long time. Even though I'm 28, I've been watching college football since I was in middle school. So we're already um, saying better than Barkley. Yeah. Um, he he has as much hype around him when he touches the football as Reggie Bush did at USC. And so, like, if you're a college football fan, that's wild. Yeah. Like, R- Reggie Bush was college football for an entire season. Yeah. Right. And Bijan Robinson is that. Like, yeah. y- you have... Just in terms of hype, by the way. Like... He's a he's a totally right. different runner. He's oh, like, oh yeah, for sure. He's he's the Sa- he's a Saquon Barkley runner. Yeah, right. He has power. He's elusive. Uh, he can catch passes on screens. He can run routes. Like he is the all around running back. He is like if Jonathan Taylor caught a ton of passes in college. Yeah, like what that hype would be. <laughs> <laughs> like that that's what Bijan Robinson like he has been the best running back in college football since his freshman year. Yeah. I think he's more talented than Najee Harris, he's more talented than um than Travis Etienne, than Javante Williams. He's the most talented running back in all of college football right now and will be for probably the next few years to come. Yeah. Yeah. It, man, it's it it sucks that we have to wait, but I do think there's an opportunity. I'm just going to throw this. I'm just going to go ahead and get to it. Get right down to it here. Bijan Robinson is the type of prospect. Like if, if, if uh, he was in the DLF database, I would rank him as a top five dynasty running back right now. And we still have to wait a year and a half to get him. Exactly. And you wouldn't be wrong, right? Like the fact that like, if you're in a Debbie league, you know how expensive Bijan Robinson was last year. You know mm-hmm. how expensive he was this year. Like, and he, next year he's only going to be more expensive. Yeah, like he is the. I don't think there's an asset that that can appreciate more than <laughs> Bijan Robinson. Like, there's going to be people that take him 101 over Bryce Young in superflex drafts. Yeah, and I don't know that they're going to be wrong quarterback guy here is saying i don't know that i disagree with that in, in fact i i mean i'm just <laughs> I'm, I'm, i i'm 
I'm going full just like platitudes at this point. That's where I'm at with this. I'm going to be taking Bijan Robinson at 101. Now, it, the thing is, I mean, a lot of my roster builds can sustain that because I'm going to have, you know, I'm already going to be four or five quarterbacks deep, uh, you know, even two years from now. Um, but I, I think that's a really good point, right? So yeah. This is the thing that I, I know you want to, We'll get to wide receivers, but I want to touch on this one strategy point because I think this matters a whole heck of a lot, right? Yeah. Is that if you know that you have a shot at Bijan Robinson in 23, mm-hmm. right? You need to be constructing your team to compete in 23, 24, and 25. Yeah. Right? So what does that look like? That means that if I'm drafting quarterbacks, I'm not drafting them in the 23 class, even if I have multiple picks, and expecting them to start, right? That's the caveat. Yeah, I'll still draft them, but I can't expect them to start and do well, right? Look at Trevor Lawrence. Look at Zach Wilson, right? Sometimes it takes a little bit for quarterbacks to fully hit, especially on bad teams when they're good quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. So that means you need to, you are probably, if you have older quarterbacks and you're trying to compete this year, that means that you might have to reevaluate what's going on. Right. You need to reevaluate what 2022 is going to look like for you and whether you need to be selling those quarterbacks, trying to get younger quarterbacks um, and realize who's still in contract and who's not. 2022 is the last year that Kirk Cousins is on contract for the Vikings. What does that mean? Does he end up moving on? Is he still the starting quarterback somewhere else? Like you have to evaluate all of these things because you do not want to waste the first three years of Bijan Robinson. Right. Yeah. That's like if you have Jonathan Taylor right now and the rest of your team is complete shit. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Because you had Jonathan Taylor and you're like, oh, this went better than expected. So you're like, oh, I'm going to add like Zach Wilson. I'm going to add Trey Lance. Right. Still good picks, but you were not setting your team up to fully compete. Yeah. And then so what did you end up having to do? You ended up having to sell future picks to try to sustain the production around Jonathan Taylor so you could compete this year. Yep. So I think yeah. you need you need to take a full long look at your team if you think that you're in competition for Bijan Robin. Yeah. I I love that and like that's a that's a you know it's just kind of incongruent to have you know rookie quarterbacks and wide receivers on the same roster as rookie running backs. We talk about that all the time. Like that's such an important thing. And I, I get it. It's so hard to, you know, when you, when you end up with, you know, a, co- a few years ago you had, you ended up with one one and there's Saquon Barkley, but you earned one one because your quarterback sucked. You know, your, your wide receivers, um, you know, weren't, weren't good enough to support it. And then so, and, but you still went and got Saquon Barkley a lot of those teams are still rebuilding right now. The people who did that. It's so hard. I know, I, I know that it's hard to avoid that temptation. You, you have to, you have to find a way to just suck it up and, and, you know, kind of the same way that we got to, you know, we got to go for a run every now and then (laughs) don't want to, but you got to do it. This is important. Eat your vegetables and take your quarterbacks. That's important. Um, yeah, because the other thing about quarterbacks, right, is that I like I don't know how more people haven't picked up on this is they continue to appreciate from the time that you draft them to the time that they make their first NFL start. Yeah, like, 
do people realize how much more expensive Zach Wilson is than when you drafted him at the 106, 107 in rookie drafts this year? Right. And before he started his first game? Yeah. He was almost double in value. Right. Well, so and that's not, why not even it matters. to mention the guys that's, who actually played well, like Mac Jones. Exactly. So, like, that's why it matters that you're drafting quarterbacks because there is not a quarter, there is not a position that can increase and appreciate in value as fast as quarterbacks from the time that they're drafted to the time that they're just about to start their first game. And then hold it for as long as, you know, whenever, whenever you need to cash that in, whether that's immediately or, you know, five years down the road, whatever, it's still going to be there. Like you're still going to. For Zach Wilson's value to go down, like it has, Mm -hmm. you had to have Mike White come out of nowhere and absolutely kill it for the Jets. Yeah. If if he doesn't play well for the Jets over those two games, the value of Zach Wilson is completely the same. Right. Yeah. Trey Lance's value hasn't moved. Nope. He hasn't. He hasn't really even been on the field. The, finished. He played the second half of one game and started another. Yeah. Yeah. And and it has it has not moved. Justin Fields has not played well, and his value is going up. Like yeah. I, this is. That's what I can tell you from there's new DLF Superflex ADP coming soon. But what I can tell you right now is Justin Fields is going to be a, a, you know, a mid early to mid second round pick uh, in your startups. So, you know, last year you were when he was a rookie, when he first got drafted, you were getting him in the third, fourth round. Those days are over and he hasn't been particularly good, but you know, there's there's been enough there's enough potential there that people are still spending that type of draft capital. So yeah, to your point, it's coming. Right. Um yeah, for for all of these quarterbacks. So but yeah, let's finish off that running back class in 2023 because I know is as excited as I am about Bijan Robinson, there's some nice consolation prizes there too. Like there's three more running backs in this draft that are better than any 2022 running back. <laughs> like that's how so wild unfair. Like, and why can't we distribute Like two of them are in the transfer portal and are going to go to much better teams. Yeah. Right. That's what's even more wild. You have Jameer Gibbs, um, who I, that's not who I've ranked second, um, but Jameer Gibbs is currently in the transfer portal. It looks like he's going to go to Alabama. <laughs> Which uh, we just talked about how, that's a that's a that's kind of a dream spot for yeah for Devi players to get their running backs. And he's also the best pass catcher in the 2023 draft. Mm-hmm. Like and and the kicker when I say yeah, he's a really good pass catcher, um, it's worth noting he's also 210 pounds. So he's not like this 185 pound guy that can catch passes really well. Yeah. Right? He's 210 pounds, he's the size of a running back can also run an outside zone run scheme really, really well and catch passes really, really well. Mm-hmm. He can play in the slot. He can play outside. He can catch passes anywhere. He's a really, really good football player. The next guy is just a pure runner. Catches some passes. I mean, he had 13 catches in two games, if I remember right. Um, and that's Tank Bigsby, which also wins the award for best running back name. Yes. <laughs> like his name is Tank. And he, so he's from Auburn. He's a 23 guy. Uh, just he's uh, as solid a running back as they come. Like he can catch some passes, uh, but he's a power running back that's going to run you over 
and he has incredible long speed. So if there's a crease, he's going to score a touchdown. Like he's just really, really good at football. Um, I think he's probably the one that, that might go down the most when we get like, you know, between this next college football season and rookie drafts. I think he might go down a little bit just with the idea of same thing with Jonathan Taylor, right? Well, he didn't catch that many passes in college. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he wasn't meant to. That's not the offense. Yeah. Right. There's some offenses that throw the ball to running backs and there's some that don't. And that's just not what Auburn is. Um but he is a great talent. Then the other guy who's also in the transfer portal, he's transferring from TCU. Don't know where he's going yet. That's Zach Evans. He is good. Like, it, if we gave someone a knucklehead award, like, this would be him. Like, a bit of a knucklehead. Um, his before state football, his senior year, for, for the state championship his senior year, uh, he didn't want to give his phone up. And so I don't know if he played that game or not. Like, so just being a knucklehead. And then he was trying to get into Georgia. He was being a knucklehead then. Like, so ends up going to TCU. Like, there's just been a lot of knuckleheadedness. But you can't deny the on-field talent. And if you watched any TCU game, you saw one good player. Yeah. And that's Zach Evans. He can catch the ball. He can run the ball. Like, his comp coming, like, when he was in high school, like, because he was the number two running back all through high school, right? Right behind Bijan Robinson. Mm -hmm. And some even had him ranked above Bijan, which now it looks foolish. But, like, he was comp to Adrian Peterson in his ability to run the football. Like, he is an incredible running back. Um, And he can catch a little bit. Hmm. Like, we've seen him take screens 60, 70 yards. Like, he can catch. And somehow he's running back four. He would be running back one in the 2022 class. Yeah. Which is bonkers. Man. So, I, uh, (laughs) in, uh, Ryan McDowell's kitchen sink league. Like I ended up with, I I thought I was still kind of in a little bit of a rebuild and had tank Bigsby on, on my Debbie squad traded him for Javante Williams. When it turned out that like this, actually this team can win this team has a chance to win it now. Um, and I haven't felt great about, I think that it's, I, I I think that it's fine. The fact that I'm going to get, you know, a couple years here of production from Javante Williams before Bigsby gets here um, is, is why, you know, I ultimately, I think it was the right move, but it, it hasn't felt great. Like it feels like that's just kind of a class that you, you want some of those guys on Debbie. There's going to, you're just going to have this wave of this influx of talent all of a sudden it you know at the most important position and, and kind of back to what you were saying you know when we were talking about Bijan Robinson where you just kind of you know you kind of take the time to build up the roster around those more long-term assets right you know the 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 guys with the longer career expectancy the quarterbacks and the wide receivers specifically uh you know you you kind of you build that up get that in place everybody's already hit everybody's kind of plateaued a little bit 
and then you add in the, the running back. You you detail the roster with the running backs. And Debbie is a great way to do it because first of all, you know, you get to just kind of you you've you've got those running backs on Devi and you you know you can kind of mold the rest of your roster while you're waiting for them. Plus, I mean, we're just so much better at getting it right at running back. You know, we're better at it. They're better at it. You know, the the hit rates are just so much higher with running backs than they are with the other positions. So, well, and I, I think that goes back to like touches meaning everything. Yeah, like that's why your hit rate is good. Mm-hmm. Like if you're getting solid work in the NFL or in college, and you're one of the top guys in the class, more than likely you're going to get that same or a similar workload in the NFL. And that's, that's all you can predict. Yeah. You can't obviously predict, you can try and predict system and assuming that the systems don't change and you can try and assume draft capital, um, but it's touches and touches are King. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Tell me, tell me, I, I don't know that we need to talk about the wide receivers in 2023. I know that that's also, can we? I mean, it it sounds like the strength of that class is at running back, and then at the top end at quarterback. But it sounds like there's some good wide receivers coming as well. But you know, for our purposes, like we'd really like to have the wide receivers in place by the time yeah. 2023 gets here, because we want in on those those running backs. You know, kind of like you were saying, we want the rest of that roster set so that we can justify going hard after those running backs. So, uh, so I'm really kind of only interested in 2022. Let me know if I'm off base with that, but, um, I'm, I'm curious about 2022 because it does sound like back to the original point that that's kind of the strength of this class, right? Yeah. Yeah. And they're really good. Like we have some top tier talent and then some guys that, that will be really solid wide receiver twos on some teams. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's worthwhile. Okay. Like it's not like it's not worthwhile, but I would rather have the guys that can be wide receiver over wide receiver twos on teams rather than the guys that are going to be running back threes on teams. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, so yeah. I'm going to I'm going to just talk about a few guys here um, that that I really, really like. And the first one's Garrett Wilson. So he's my wide receiver one. Um, Garrett Wilson coming out of Ohio State. The thing that you that you love out of wide receivers is their ability to create separation. And there's not a person that does it better in this class than Garrett Wilson. Mm -hmm. Uh, Garrett Wilson is a separator at the goal line. He's a separator. uh, You know, when he's 80 yards away from a touchdown, he separates everywhere. And he's, and he's a great player. And, and the fact that he's crazy athletic, like when he's catching jump balls, his hips are where someone else's head is going to be. Right. Like he has an incredible vertical. He's fast. He's fluid. Like he's just a really, really great wide receiver. Like he's the all around receiver. I think he fits into every offensive system. On the flip side of that, I think there's a guy that fits into less systems, but is still exciting. And that's Traylon Burks, the wide receiver from Arkansas. Still love Traylon Burks quite a lot. Um, he's going to be like you're, you're closer to your DK Metcalf type guy. Like, Crazy athletic, really fast, can burn people from the line of scrimmage. But he doesn't, and then that's usually what he's asked to do. He doesn't do a whole lot outside of what what they're asking him to do. Um, it's not like he's working over the middle like Garrett Wilson is all the time, right? That he's doing slants, digs, crossing routes, things like that. That's not really trailing Burks. 
He, he can take screens 80 yards. He can take end arounds 80 yards, or he could just run 80 yards and he can throw him the ball, right? It, like, it doesn't matter how you get the ball in his hands. Like, he's he's a great talent, um, but I just think he fits into less si- systems. Um, and I think that's going to be a hindrance just a little bit. Um, you know, my third guy, this is where things kind of get a little hairy. I think it's those two guys at the top tier, and then we create this next tier. And that encompasses guys like Drake London, wide receiver from USC, Chris Olave, wide receiver from Ohio State, David Bell, wide receiver from Purdue, maybe like George Pickens if he enters the draft, um, Jahan Dotson. Like, there's a lot of really great players. And then you have the burner, Jamison Williams from Alabama. Like, there's a lot of guys that have different skill sets. And I think the biggest difference, if, if someone were to ask me, Kane, what's the biggest difference between the 21 class and the 22 class, the wide receiver position? Well, the 22 class is giving us more X receivers, right? So what does that mean? That's kind of that bigger bodied receiver that is going to work more over the field, deeper down, um, isn't just a pure speed guy, right? We had, we had some great speed guys from the 21 class, right? You know, we had, you know, Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddle, Henry Ruggs, like guys that are just complete burners, mm-hmm. Right? No, Henry Ruggs. That was a different class. My bad. Rondale Moore. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Like just some guys that are crazy fast, but they're not like X receivers. And with what comes with X receivers is targets. Right. And so if, if we look at what makes a wide receiver one, and does that mean that they finish in the top 12 in dynasty, you know, in, in PPR points every year? No. Like that's not what a wide receiver one is to me. Right. I, after a long time talking with Scott Connor, I think we're, I've, I've kind of slowly adopted some of his thinking and like two <laughs> things happen, right? He, he has that effect. On well, we, I need we've to... been talking about this for a really long time. And I think yeah. he's kind of, uh, he's taken over like how I view Devi players, which mm-hmm. is just as values. And I think that is, that's worthwhile, right? Instead of being take locked into a player. You just see them at values. Values can go up and they can go down. And if you feel like the value is higher than what it's going to be when they enter the NFL, you sell them. Mm-hmm. And if you think it's lower, then you don't sell them, right? It, it's a pretty simple concept to me. But when I was talking with Scott a lot, I was like, what actually makes up a wide receiver one, right? And two things have to happen. You, so to be a wide receiver one, one of two things technically have to happen. To be a top tier wide receiver, both of these things have to occur. Right. The first is that you have a ton of targets, like just a lot of targets. And we see wide receiver ones that are just peppered with targets. Right. Keenan Allen being a wide receiver one forever. Right. We've just seen guys that are like, okay, you have all the targets. You're valuable. Right. That's the Deontay Johnson. Yeah. Right. And then you have guys that are super efficient with the targets that they get. And that's AJ Brown. That's DK Metcalf. Right. And then there's elite wide receivers that can pair the two together. So they can pair the million targets that they get, right? The 150, 160, 170 targets they get every season, and they're efficient with them, mm-hmm. right? That's the Devonte Adams, Justin Jefferson, um, Tyreek Hill, right? These guys that can do both of these things together. And so that's what I'm actually looking for when I when I try to figure out, you know, wide receiver ones and more of that happens from the x spot 
right? Devontae Adams, he's playing predominantly outside. DK Metcalf playing outside. CD Lamb, he can play both slot and outside. Justin Jefferson, slot and outside, right? AJ Brown, he's playing outside. Deontay Johnson, he's mostly playing outside, right? It's these guys that are tending to play outside and getting a ton of targets. They seem to be more valuable than slot guys, right? Mm-hmm. Than the Rondell Moore who might have 11 targets and he's going to have eight catches for 27 yards. And sure, that's really, really great as your wide receiver two, your wide receiver three, wide receiver four, right? Yeah. If you have a really good wide receiver one. So we're always trying to figure out what that wide receiver one is going to be because wide receiver two through five come and go. New ones are going to come every year and you're just, you just weave them into your roster, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's old names that kind of come back, right? Whether Hunter Renfro is is there for what seems like 17 years that seems to be you know productive or your Cole Beasley's like there's different guys that have different levels of production but we want to know what that big important wide receiver one is and that's the guys that can get a ton of targets and be efficient with them and most of those come from the x spot so we're trying to figure out who are these kind of these guys that Ten the the guys that get a ton of targets, they're elite separators, right? They they can separate either deep down the field or on every route, right? So we're trying to figure out who can separate the best. And the other one is like who actually has a wide variety of routes that they can run that is going to get them the ball more often. Right. So pairing the the route running and the separation with that being kind of being more efficient with their targets. And then the people that just have a wide variety of routes that they can run at a high level, that's where those targets come in. And so that's why guys like Garrett Wilson and Traylon Burks are kind of the most important wide receivers in this coming draft. Yeah. Okay. I like it. Got some kind of Jamar Chase, like Jamar Chase light, I guess, coming on. What? Yeah, like I I don't think you're ever gonna get someone you know as a as a sophomore putting up the stats that he did right. Yeah. Um. But if these guys are gonna get pretty darn close. Like they're really good. How would you rank that class? Um. I think depth wise, this class is better than last year's class. Mm, like from from a pure number standpoint like we're gonna have more good more good wide receivers in this class i was about to say more good or wide receivers um (laughs) there's just more of them and they're really good in this class okay um but i don't think the top tier is as strong as a guy like jamar chase you know what i mean yeah yeah so maybe like a three or four something like that yeah like it it's stronger than like a 2018 class, right? That gave us DJ Moore and Calvin Ridley. I think it's stronger than that class. Um, but I think the top tier is just a little lower than than this past year. Yeah. The other problem is, you know, when you've got big tiers, like it sounds like we have, I mean, there's kind of an argument for, you know, waiting, like accumulating more picks, making the picks later, maybe even, you know, late first, second round picks, accumulating some of those. And it sounds like you're going to get very similar wide receivers to what you would get kind of in the middle, early part of the first. So 
to me that like that that diminishes the the power of that class a little bit at that position and and again i mean i i could be off base on that because i'm just not as familiar with these players as you are but it kind of sounds like there's you know there's there some pretty big upper tiers at the wide receiver position in 22 yeah i th- i think i think like the 110 I'm just doing some quick numbers in my head from like the 110 to like the 205, 206 is all one tier to me. Okay. Right. So if I can trade back from one of those and get, if I can trade back from the 110 to get like the 202 plus something, I'm going to do that. Yeah. Um, I think, I think the late second is really similar to an early third. Okay. Um, so I think it's the exact same, right? Um, if I can get, Second seem to hold so much more weight to people than third round picks. So like if I can, you know, trade the 209, 2010 or 210 um, for like the 304, 303 plus mm-hmm. something like I'm going to do that. Like yeah. that's a really easy choice for me. Okay. So just kind of just kind of broadly, like what's what's your guess is how this uh, this first round is going to break out. Like, is it going to, is it going to be heavy on quarterbacks and running backs? Or are we looking at wide receivers starting, you know, pretty early in the first round? Um, I think the only two wide receivers that have a chance to kind of go early are the ones that I mentioned, Garrett Wilson from Ohio state and Traylon Burks from Arkansas. You know, I, I did a mock draft with Shane um, for our patrons on on Monday and we our our first round were two quarterbacks um a running back a quarterback a running back a quarterback for our top 6 mm-hmm. right and and that's well it it's in that order um, i can't remember exactly how how it shook out um and then after that the wide receiver started i think other people are going to be scared off of the running backs a little bit because there weren't a round one running back um, and I think they're going to end up taking like Traylon Burks or Garrett Wilson higher than they should. And you know, as well as I do that every year we have a quarterback that's drafted in the first round that gets absolutely no love. Yeah. And if for whatever reason, like it's Sam Howell, like it's probably either Sam Howell or Malik Willis, but because Malik Willis can run, he'll be drafted higher in rookie drafts. So I think Sam Howell is probably just going to slip down boards uh, for no real reason. I think just because they're they're like, oh, we don't know if any of these quarterbacks are be good are going to be good, because we just saw, you know, quarterbacks from the twenty the twenty one class not really exceed expectations, right? Mm. And I'm going to end up getting Sam Hall on every single one of my teams because I'm going to pick at like the 107, 108, 109, and a quarterback any quarterback that's going to fall there as a first round pick, I'm going to take. Yeah, so he's kind of this year's Mac Jones. I think so. Okay. I like because that. Because he's safe. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So we're kind of looking at most likely sounds like, you know, two or three quarterbacks, um, maybe one or two of those running backs pretty early. And like Garrett Wilson, maybe Traylon Burks. Like that that it sounds yeah. like kind of a mix of like two of each at the in the top six. Yeah, my top six is four quarterbacks, two running backs, because I I will always take a running back over a wide receiver. 
Yeah, see. Um, for the most part, right? And a quarterback mm-hmm. over a running back. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's I, just kind of how it shakes out. Um, but I think yeah. the top six for me, four quarterbacks, two running backs. If you're picking a wide receiver, um, I think. You're messing up. <laughs> well, I, I think you're going to feel the impact of that one. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. I, we have the same strategy. I'm, I, I kind of think that, I mean, I, you know, I, like, I wasn't in on Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts as good as they were, as good as they were as prospects. I was just, to me, it's just that's that's not the time to take those two positions. Yeah, I, I had Chase and Pitts in my top seven. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but like. That's because they were like far and away better than the rest of the people in yeah. the draft of their position, right? Like yeah. Jamar Chase, his numbers and, and his film were so much better than the rest of the people. Yeah. Right. And there just wasn't another tight end that was willing to be drafted, you know, top six or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, yeah. So no, I agree. Th- there's definitely a point to be made that like, that the wide receivers are good and it's important to get kind of the top tier wide receiver of those players. But that doesn't mean that the positional difference doesn't still take effect. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Jamar Chase is really, really good. And he was really good in college. That's why he was actually in a tier of his own. Yeah. Right. We don't have a guy like that. Right. Yeah. So even, even though that that's kind of the strength of this class, it's still, again, I, you know, line these classes up with previous classes, with future classes, and it's still, it's still relative, like it's deep, but it's still relatively weak. You know, it's, it's, I, I, I weak is, is a little bit too harsh, but. Well, you, you mean, you mean like weak in top tier talent and that's yeah. totally right. Yeah. It, it's more of a depth class than anything else. And if you're, in a league that, you know, like John and I are in some leagues where it's like start 11, start 12. And you've been struggling to find that 11th, 12th player. Yeah. I think it's really important for you to have second and third round picks in this draft, baby. Because you're okay. going to find some guys that that are able to fill out your roster pretty yeah. nicely in the second and third round of the draft. Yeah. So, all right, here's the thing, Kane. I was going to find some confirmation bias, kind of regardless of of what information you gave me. Sure. But uh, I I think that, um, I mean, this this just absolutely hit the nail on the head for me. This, this just, to me, this just kind of confirmed everything I've been thinking. And, and here's the thing. So it always starts, these strategies for me, it always starts with a little seed. You know, somewhere along the line, somebody said something about, you know, 2022 is going to be a a weak class. And then somebody else says 2023 is going to be this amazing class. And then, you know, I just start, it it all just kind of grows together into this monster in my mind that ends up with just a, with a strategy that is just, it's, it's going to be way out there. For a lot of people, a lot of people are going to have a tough time with this. This is kind of what this is what happened with quarterback extreme. This is what happened with you know my running back wave attack. This is what happened with this the entire super flex flywheel. All of this stuff it just kind of started with these little nuggets here and there, and it just kind of grew. 
I just got more and more extreme with my statements on it. And now we're to a point where I, I think I'm going to spend this off season. Here's, here's what the, my calendar is going to look like for the next year and a half. All right. So kind of regardless, uh, you know, I'll finish out this season. If I'm, you know, if I'm a contender, I'm going to go get a championship because those are hard to get. I'm not going to throw it into rebuild mode just yet, but in the, the leagues where I'm not doing well, I've already started to accumulate picks. First of all, I, my preference has been for the 2023 class. Um, Makes sense. You and a lot of people. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm still trading for some 2022s, but I think that uh, beyond trading for other people's 2023s, I'm looking at tanking 2022 uh, because, you know, I I just, I want as many shots at, at 101 as I can get in the 2023 class. Um, and the only one that you can control the destiny of is your own. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll stockpile them because it sounds like this is a deep class at every position. So, you know, you still want plenty of picks yeah. uh, in that draft class. But yeah, I mean, you can guide your own to 101 and commissioners hate it. And I don't understand why. As a commissioner, I don't understand why anybody would have a problem with this strategy. And I don't understand why anybody would not do this strategy. Like unless you're able to put together a team that can truly compete in 2022, because again, you know, prioritize winning a championship because it's so freaking hard to do and somebody's got to do it. So if you've got a team that can do it in 2022, go ahead and go do it. Otherwise, man, I'm going to the, to the opposite extreme. I'm tanking hard in 2022 because i want 101 in 2023 with my own pick and then i'm stockpiling 2023 picks to a point where i am going to be willing to trade 2022 firsts for 2023 firsts that's how extreme i am with this at this point and i'm curious if if you feel like i'm going too far with that no, I think some people have been doing that. Yeah. Um, you know, for for the last few months. Um I I don't think it's necessarily extreme. Mm-hmm. Um but it definitely matters, you know, watching the market on when to actually sell the picks, right? That's what matters the most to make sure that you're actually maximizing profit sure. on your 2022 picks. Yeah. That's that's the main key for me. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So, you know, in some of those leagues where, you know, I don't have a particularly good team right now, you know, I'm struggling a little bit um, and kind of threw it into rebuild mode early in the season, you know, and, and I'm able to guide some of those teams to the 2022 101 or at least close to it, you know, a top three pick, you know, and, and, you know, I, I kind of have an opportunity here to go get one of those quarterbacks uh, that you talked about in the top tier, I'm going to have an opportunity to do that, but I'm thinking I might even be willing to forego that in, in, and again, you know, to your point, I think that you wait until that value has, has kind of reached its peak, um, in the off season. And it's probably, you know, it's probably, 
it might even be after the NFL draft. Um, you know, wait, wait for some of these landing spots, but definitely after the combine, I would say, yeah, you know, that's usually where it peaks. And then, yeah, I mean, I think at this point I would trade out completely. I would trade 2022's one-on-one and I would wait until we know that, you know, who one-on-one is going to be, but I have a feeling that I'm going to end up trading that out for 20, for a 2023 pick. And the problem is it, you know, it, this is what makes that so extreme. I talk about this all the time. The time value is important. You know, the the fact that I'm regardless of what it who it is, what position I would get at 101, I would be getting points from them in 2022. First of all, second of all, that 2023 pick I'm trading for, I have no idea where that's going to fall. You know, I'm trading 2022's 101 for what easily could end up being 2023's 112, you know? And and so that's a move that in the past I have not been willing to make at all. But with just the the extreme difference between these two classes, that's that's kind of where I'm at at this point. I don't want the points in 2022 because I'm trying to tank in 2023. But also... You know, I I I just think that I would I would take my chances with a later pick in 2023 because I still think I'm going to get a better player there than I right. probably am at 101 in 2022. And here's just another thing worth noting, right? Mm-hmm. Is that let's say that you have anywhere from like three to seven, eight firsts in 2023. We've all seen teams that have that many firsts in the 23 class already, right? Yeah, like this is what I'm doing, right? And you can call me crazy if you want. (laughs) I'm more than willing with my firsts in the 2022 draft to grab all of those quarterbacks. If you want to give me two, three, four of these first round quarterbacks, I'm going to grab all of them. Do you know why? Because then when next year, in 2023, when I'm drafting Bijan Robinson, when I'm, you know, getting some of these other running backs and they're poised to start for their team, I already have quarterbacks that have gone through a year, right? I know what to expect a little bit more from these quarterbacks and where the offenses are headed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so if I have, if I have Matt Corral, who, you know, had a, let's say he had even has like a solid season, right? Say he's a quarterback 2021 on the, on the year. That's going to be really great for next year when we always presume quarterbacks are going to take a step forward. And now I have Bijan Robinson on my team, right? That's Mm -hmm. really great for me. And so that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to take all those quarterbacks. If I, if 2023 is my goal year, I'm taking quarterbacks. I'm probably going to avoid the running backs at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and even in the worst case scenario, at least, you know, you know, at least, you know, what you have at quarterback, you know, if you're going to be able to support B. John Robinson. And if you're not there, you know, as much as it hurts me to say it, because I, I, I legitimately want B. John Robinson on my rosters. It's, it's not about, it's not about the value. I recognize that the value is going to be off the damn charts. Yeah, but you know, but it's not really even a, a, about that. It's it's that I legitimately want him on my roster, scoring points for me, and I'd like to condition my roster to a point where, 
you know, his points actually matter. But if I'm not able to do that, if I'm not able to put the quarterbacks together by the 2023 rookie draft, and I think that you should be able to, you know, I, 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 I firmly believe that any rebuild can be accomplished in, you know, a matter of months. So, you know, the, the fact that we've got a year and a half to do it, uh, that's to me, that's plenty of time to, to accomplish this. But if you're not able to do it, to me, you still take Bijan Robinson, just be, or, you know, trade 101 or trade Bijan Robinson. Either way, you know, you, you make that trade because for, you're going to be able to trade back for Bryce Young. Plus, like you're going to get all, and that plus is going to be big. We saw this with Saquon Barkley. We saw the ridiculous price people were paying for that 101 when it was Saquon Barkley. It's going to be that much more, uh, that much, that much more off the charts, that much more, you know, just completely batshit when, when it's Bijan Robinson. People right. are going to, you're going to get a blank check. You're going to get whatever quarterback you want plus something. I, I see it now. Yeah. Right. In Debbie, it's happening now. Really? It's, it's off the charts. He's, he's <laughs> the 101 in every Debbie mock. Yeah. What, right. like, what are, what are some trades that you're seeing to, for, uh, I traded DeAndre, I traded DeAndre Swift and something for Bijan at the, at the beginning of this season. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah exactly that's that's kind of what i'm talking about i mean what deandre swift before is this a, season started yeah <laughs> uh, deandre swift is a top three dynasty running back for me right now and uh yeah it's and again i mean i'm going completely ageist at running back but like the fact that like when you said deandre swift and i was just I was like see that's all i need to know right there that's all i need to hear DeAndre Swift alone is not enough to get Bijan Robinson. That kind of tells you it, and you know, we're still a year and a half away from him getting to the NFL. So that's what that value is going to look like. So that's to me, and that's going to be a lot of what I'm talking about here on the super show throughout this off season. You know, it's, it's going to be a lot of it's, it, you know, the, the strategy is going to be pretty heavy on, you know, bringing in, bringing in more 2023 picks, you know, to have a better shot at picks in the 2023 class and, and to get closer to the top part of that class. It's going to be a lot of that. And people aren't going to like it. <laughs> people aren't going, this is, this is going to feel, this is going to feel weird. It's going to feel hard. It's not going to be, it's not going to be a whole lot of fun in 2022, but I'm, I'm going to advocate for, tanking and you know again getting to the top of that 2023 class again like i said unless you've got the talent to go win a championship in 2022 because the hardest thing to do in this game is to win a championship it's it, it, it right. that that's even harder than getting your hands on pick 101 in 2023 <laughs> go get a championship if you've got the if you've got an opportunity go win a championship you know, I, I I still use the old adage of getting to the playoffs is skill. Anything in the playoffs is luck. Yeah, so there's right. there's a certain amount for sure. Yeah, it's just it's just all luck. It's a it comes down to one week, and you can have the best players in the world, but they could have Dalvin Cook on their roster. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's got two touchdowns in the first half. As and 144 speak. yards. <sighs> On 13 carries. And I'm playing against him in most of my leagues, I feel yeah. like. So, the way it goes. yeah. I'm going to get eliminated in a few <laughs> by this. But, um, yeah, that's uh, that man. That that was kind of I wanted to get that out into the universe, but I also wanted to say it with a little bit of uh, at least the possibility of some opposition. Uh, you're one of my good friends. I know that you have no problem telling me when I'm being crazy. Um, you've done it before, so I know that you are willing to do it. And uh, the fact that I came out of this unscathed makes me feel like maybe this has some legs. So. Um, but not only that, and, and you know, we're over time, so I'm going to wrap it up here. But um, just just getting this information, getting a little bit of of foresight on the 2022 class, the 2023 class is super valuable, super helpful. And you and Shane Hallam are doing this every single you, you Debbie Marketplace. That's weekly, right? Yep. One a week. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you guys, you can uh, you can become a patron. They've got a Patreon, Devi Marketplace, and then uh, obviously the the weekly podcast itself. You're also on Dynasty Wall Street with John Bosch and Dynasty Outhouse Russ Fisher. Yep. What else? What is there anything that I'm missing? And then Headliner U. That's that's over on YouTube. Um, so that's the college uh, the college channel of the Fantasy Headliners. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So you're a busy man, dude. I am. It's been it's been the busiest season that I've had, but it, it's been such a fun season. I think this I think overall this is one of the most fun fantasy seasons that that I've been a part of. Good. Glad to hear it. And now you got a little bit of time here before uh, you start your next job that you can uh, right. sit back and enjoy. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, man, if we had more time, honestly, I would talk with you about that. Um, it's a it's a a uh, big step that you took, but uh, sounds like a very necessary one. Yeah. And uh, I'm proud of you, man. Well, thanks, buddy. Yeah. Uh, thank you for your time. Thanks for coming on. He's at Devi underscore Kane on Twitter. But let's wrap it up there for the week. And as we do that, ask you for a quick favor. Subscribe to the DLF Family of Podcasts mega feed. Uh, rate and review the Super Show. Helps me to get out to more people touch on more topics that are useful to you our super friends um and uh, by the way while you're at it maybe give me some suggestions on a co-host i reckon as fun as i as much fun as it is for me to just sit here and talk uh unopposed like i said i think it's important to get a little bit of pushback uh where it's necessary and uh i think that it, it might just be a little bit more fun for you to listen to um, so, and it's always, it's, it's more fun for me when I get my friends like Kane on here to, uh, to, to chat and, uh, to share some knowledge with us, shared some shared wisdom. Uh, it always just makes for a, a better quality podcast. So if you've got suggestions, let me know. I am, uh, the search is on and, uh, I, uh, I I intend to fill out this roster uh, by the by the 2022 offseason. Get at me on Twitter. All right, you can d- <laughs> you can DM or you can tweet at Superflex Show. I'm just so bad at checking that one. Just get at me individually at Superflex, dude. 
Uh, this episode was dedicated in loving memory to James Zabrankatoulis. Thank you to DLF for the platform. Thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the music. And above all else, thank you for listening. Thank you for coming back. Thank you for waiting for me. And until next week, stay sexy and super flexible.